Good morning, New Life. Hey guys, good to see y'all. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but this service actually has the most of our church family that's watching online. I don't know that we ever do this, but I just want to look straight into the camera and say welcome. We're so thankful that you're watching online. And if you can't be here in person, then keep worshiping online. If you can be here, uh, we just want you to know you're missing out, that being in the room with each other is special. And I would like to do this too. Could we just show some love and put our hands together, give a, a warm welcome. Thank you guys for being here. So uh, my name's Preston. If I haven't met you yet, um, I, I'm not here that frequently. And so I just want you guys to know I love being here. I love this church. It is a joy to me and Meg to get to, to serve alongside of you guys. And if you're new, I think this is a place where if you're a devoted follower of Jesus, I think you're going to find, man, I'm challenged and I can grow and stretch. Uh, and if you're just seeking, maybe you came in this morning and you did a Google search and it's your first time at church in a while and you just saw, man, I'll check this church out. I think that this is a place where you're going to be loved and accepted and, and helped to move in the direction of Jesus. So uh, thanks for being here today. So like Pat was talking about earlier, uh, I coach football, as you can see with my sweatshirt this morning. And John, by the way, hey, great hip action, man. John's out here dropping dimes like a clumsy cashier. I mean, he's just <laughs> dotting people up. That was really good. I could, I could work with that. I could coach that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I got to coach with a Gainesville football team. Here's a picture of the team. So three years ago, there was no team. And this is actually the first ever win. This was from not this past season, but the season before. The first ever win in program history. So I think this is super cool. Actually, our head coach, Dan Bruton in the red right there, he, he and his family go to the Lenton Hall campus now. So that, that's been really cool. Sever, several coaches and players. Um, so, but anyways, it's, it's, I love being a part of a team. H have you guys ever been a part of a team? Just raise your hand if you've ever been on sports team. Baseball, soccer, track. I think I've been on like pretty much all kinds of teams and wasn't really good at most of the sports I played on, but uh, learned to throw football. So I love being on teams because it's a group of people trying to accomplish something. It's not just a group of people who we come into the locker room and we say, hey, hey guys, how, how, how you feeling? You guys doing okay? Like, I go to a cup of coffee. And it's just good to see you guys. You know, I just love being with you. And we just get in the locker room and we just have those warm, fuzzy moments and we say, all right, we'll see you next week. And we walk out, right? No, when you're on a team, you're trying to accomplish something. You've got a dream. You want to win a championship or you want to have a dominant program or whatever it is. And so you come with all these different types of people. So I think about football. you got offense, defense, special teams, guys who try to score, guys who try to stop the other team from scoring, guys who kick the ball and do other weird stuff. And, uh, and even in those different units, if you're not familiar with football, there's different positions so if you play offense, like I did, there's not just, it's not just offense and everybody's the same person, right? You've got really big boys that are protecting the, you know, the, the offensive line. You've got a guy who can throw a ball. You've got guys who can catch, guy who can run. You've got all these different body types and gifts and abilities, and they've got to work together. And so you've got to have that on offense. You've got to have that on defense and on special teams. So all of these different people come together and they're one heart and one mind and one unit, and they're trying to accomplish something. And they've got an opponent in front of them. The clock's running. It's game time. And I don't know about you, but I love that kind of stuff. I'm sure that not everybody feels exactly the same way about being a part of the team as I do. 
But here's what I've started to realize is that as I got to wear my coaching hat with Gainesville football and my pastor hat with New Life Christian Church, this simple but true statement, uh, I started to realize it, is that ministry is a team sport. We are a team. We are Team Jesus. We're a people. We're a group that has a dream that we're trying to accomplish. So we don't just sit around and talk warm fuzzies and just, oh, brother, sister, I love you. How you doing? Yeah, sure. We love each other, obviously. But we're trying to accomplish something. So Jesus, the head of the church, he has a dream. And the body of Christ at large, we're all supposed to be working towards that dream as a team. And so think about it. We've We've all got a bunch of different callings and giftings and passions in this room. And it takes every single one of us from all of our services at both of our, all of our campuses, including online, it takes everybody coming together as one unit, one heart, one mind. And we've got an opponent. We've got spiritual forces of evil that are trying to stop us from accomplishing Jesus' dream. And the clock is running out. Time's running out. Jesus is going to return at some point. And so it's game time. It's time to play. It's time to go. It's time to win, baby, win. My coach, I had a coach say, you know how you spell fun? W-I-N. That's how you spell fun. And so today I'm, I'm just wanting to ask this question of like, how do we grow as a team? How do we as the body of Christ, the church, the people of God, how do we become a healthier, more effective team? and accomplish the dream that Jesus has given us. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. If you're new to church, you're not really familiar with the Bible, um, there's a bunch of different books in the Bible. This one's called Acts, and it was written by a guy named Luke. And he wrote another book right before this called Luke, and it's about the life and ministry of Jesus. And now uh, he's going to talk about the birth and the growth of the church, or the team, the people of God that we're talking about. And so, just to give you kind of an outline of where the book of Acts goes, so in, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus gives the dream, and he says, you're going to receive power from on high, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. That's the dream. He said it a variety of ways in every single one of the Gospels. He said it in the book of Acts. He wants us to go help more and more people follow him. He wants more people to believe in him, love him, trust him, and submit their lives to him. So much so that one day there's an innumerable multitude gathered around the throne of God, worshiping him and praising him from every nation, tribe, and tongue. That's the dream. That's what every one of us are supposed to be working towards. And so to catch us up to speed, uh, chapter 6, how's it going? Well, in chapter 1, after Jesus said that, there was just 120 people on the team. 120 people, that's it. By chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit. Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, preaches a message about Jesus. 3,000 people believe and are baptized and are added to the team. So chapter 1, 120 Chapter 2, over 3,000 people. By chapter 4, verse 4, after Peter heals a guy who couldn't walk and then uses that as an opportunity to share that Jesus did this, we're told that over 5,000 men had been added to the team. So think about that. 5,000 men. So you got to assume that probably many of those men were married. You got to assume that many of those men had kids, had families. And so 
obviously we don't know. I'm just spitballing. But there might have been 10,000 followers of Jesus by chapter 4. There might have been 10,000 people on the team. And so they're still in Jerusalem. They haven't got to Judea. They haven't got to Samaria. They're nowhere close to going to the ends of the earth yet. But they're living out the dream that Jesus has given them. And so the church is growing. The church is vibrant. Good things are happening. And then, wouldn't you know it, a problem strikes. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story. Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1, this is the Word of God. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So the church is growing, the team's doing great, they're fulfilling the dream that Jesus gave them, and then all of a sudden, uh-oh, problem. There's complaining, there's murmuring, there's grumbling going on on the team. Why? Well, so all of these people were Jewish, but they were Jews who put their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. So all these people are Christian, and there's two big buckets that we're talking about. One is the Hebraic Jews, and one is the Hellenistic Jews. And to just make it really simple, think of the Hebraic Jews as more traditionalists, and then the Hellenistic Jews as more modernists. So if the two were to maybe have a negative view of each other, one would say, oh, those Hebraic Jews, they're just holier-than-thou traditional Jews. They live around Judea, they speak Aramaic, and then the Hebraic Jews might look at the Hellenistic Jews and say, oh, they conform to culture. Oh, they've just been really influenced by the, the, the Roman culture. And so they don't live where we live. They live all over the Roman Empire. They don't speak the language that we speak. They speak Greek. And so for whatever reason, we're not really told. We don't know if it's a language barrier. We don't know if there's issues between them. For whatever reason, one group of widows is getting food, is getting the money that they need, is getting the support they need, and the other group isn't. And complaining breaks out as a result. And so this, this is a, an inflection point in the story of the church. What's going to happen? Because there's a lot at stake here. So how are they going to solve the problem? Verse 2. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The church is growing. There's a problem. Widows are getting food and, and money. Some aren't. The apostles say, hey, look, we see this as a problem. This needs to be dealt with. However, we're not going to be the ones to do it. It would not be right for us to be the ones to do it. We need to focus on two things. As apostles, we need to prioritize prayer and the ministry of the Word. We, we can't wait on tables. Now, when we first hear this, there's probably two maybe knee-jerk reactions that we have. One is we think, did the apostles look down on taking care of widows? Did they think that they were above caring for widows? And no, I, I don't think that they thought that at all. I think that the apostles had clarity on what God called them to do. I think they had clarity on how God gifted them. And I think they had clarity on their highest contribution towards accomplishing the dream. And so I think they looked around at the roughly 10,000 other people and thought, I bet we could help some other people do this ministry. Why would we do it? Why would we be the only ones to hold on to it? So they said, let's, let's, let's not do it. The second thing you might be thinking is, um, well, 
maybe the apostles, they just wanted to get out of the hard work. You know, they didn't want to do the dirty work, the hard work of waiting on tables. So they took the easy route out and they said, oh, we'll let someone else do it. Here's the reality. Uh, For making disciples, the ministry of the word, preaching the gospel, they had filled the city of Jerusalem with the teaching about Jesus. And in the process, they had been threatened, they had been thrown in jail, and they had been flogged. Ain't nobody getting flogged for giving widows food. The reality is they took the much harder route. They took the route that was going to cost them. Now, both are of great value, but they knew their calling. They knew how God gifted them, and they said, look, we're going to prioritize what God's called us to do, and we're going to empower others to do their part. Now, I want to speak to our staff people real quick. There's a couple in the room. There's a couple of on staff. So uh, for our staff people, here's, if we're going to be a healthy team, if we're going to be an effective team, if we're going to accomplish the, the dream of Jesus, I really believe we need to learn from the apostles. And here's what we need to do, me included. And I'm still trying to figure this out myself. I'm studying this like, oh, man, I need to really focus a little bit more. Here's two things that we need to do as staff. Prioritize your part and empower others to do their part. If you're a leader in the church, prioritize your part. And so let me ask you this question. Uh, what are your priorities if you're on staff? For me, what's, what are my priorities? What are the priorities that I'm devoted to? That's the question. I think a lot of times for, for us in, in church ministry, our focus is like that of a shotgun blast. You ever shot shotguns before? You know that they spray, right? And there's this there's a bunch of stuff going everywhere, right? And so think about that, a big spray versus a laser. A laser has singular focus. It's not a spray. And so I hope that that's helpful to just think as, as I'm on church staff, am I doing ministry everywhere with everybody all the time and I'm the one that's got to be doing it all? Or am I like a laser? And I say, nope, it wouldn't be right for me to do all that. I'm going to focus on this, this, and this. I'm going to focus on this or that. So if, if we're on staff, we first, we've got to prioritize our part and not hide behind, well, I'll let somebody else do the work at tables. We actually got to be devoted to it. And then the second thing that we've got to do is we've got to empower others to do their part. I think about Newpedia and Wikipedia. Probably heard about this before, but in 2000, Jimmy Wells and Larry Sanger started an online encyclopedia called Newpedia. And the whole thought was okay, we're going to get experts. And so they're scholars, they've been trained, they're the professionals, and we're going to have this big, extensive review process to make sure, you know, every I's dotted and every T's crossed. And then the next year, they started what everybody in the room knows about, which is Wikipedia. And wiki comes from a Hawaiian word that means quick. And so the idea, the difference between Newpedia and Wikipedia was that instead of having just the experts do the articles, they said, let's let anybody write anything. Which, if you've seen The Office, you know that's a funny little reference, that that can be disastrous at some points. But they've released and empowered people to write. And so three years later, what they found is that Newpedia, after three years, had 24 articles. Woo! 24 articles, eight a year. Wow, we're killing it, right? The first year of Wikipedia, they had over 20,000 articles. 
uh, 24, I guess 23 years later now, there's over 62 million articles on Wikipedia. And so for us as staff members, as church leaders, we got to decide, are we going to be a Newpedia church or a Wikipedia church? Are we going to be Newpedia and we're going to hold on to all the ministry and say everything's got to come through us and we got to touch everything and they can't do it as good as we can or that no one's responding when we ask people to, to get involved. And I know what you're thinking if you're on staff. Preston, it's easy for you to say because uh, several reasons. One, you're the preacher, and then preaching's easy. No, number two, you work at the smaller campus. There's less to do out there. Number three, uh, you're still young and new, and you got all these ideas. It's not reality. Whatever you're thinking, right? I understand that. I understand. I get where you're coming from. I know that there are real challenges to prioritizing your part and empowering others to their part. But I just think, man, if we're going to learn from the apostles, we as church staff have to do this. So if we're going to be a healthy team, we got to start as church leaders, being healthy ourselves and doing healthy things. So there's a problem. The apostles address it with priorities, and that invited participation by the, the rest of the church. So watch what happens. Verse 5, this proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the apostle says, we're going to focus, we're going to prioritize prayer and the word, and we're going to empower others to take care of these widows. Church, get involved here, find seven guys, good reputation, full of spirit, full of faith, select them, we'll appoint them. So the church does their part. They find these guys, they bring them to the apostles, and the, those seven guys do their part. They say, you know what? Yeah, we will do this. We will help these widows out. There's a need. We see it. We're going to step up and do it. And so the apostles laid their hands on them. They prayed for them, a sign of blessing, a sign of commissioning. We're sending you out to do this task. And so here's something that I think is just a very simple point, but those seven guys, they actually responded. They didn't have to respond. I'm sure that they had really busy lives. I'm sure that their work schedule in Jerusalem was crazy. I'm sure their kids were playing travel sports. I'm sure that it was really difficult for them to step up and serve widows. They had a busy life, right? But they did it. They said, we're going to contribute. We're going to do the work of ministry. We're going to be the team of Jesus, and we're going to accomplish his dream. And so I talked to the church staff for a second, so now let me talk to everybody else. If we're going to be a healthy team, if we're going to be more effective as a team, if we're going to accomplish the dream of Jesus, then here's what I believe that you as church members can learn from these seven guys. Be a contributor, not a consumer. Are you a contributor? Could you imagine if, like, we're a team, and it's halftime, and we come into the locker room, and, you know, I'm, I'm firing you guys up and saying, hey, let's go, guys. It's time. First game of the season. You guys have been working. You guys have been preparing. You got this. Let's go. We break. We go out to the field, and I look around, and only 20% of us are on the field, and 80% of us have gone up into the stands, and they're, woo! let's go boys they're like what what are you doing you you said you're on the team guys we're playing the game what 
Why'd you get a hot dog? Why, why are you sitting back and watching? And here's the reality. We as Americans, we're so shaped by consumerism, every single area of our life is consumeristic. I talked to a couple this past week. If, if they're here, they're watching online, I love you guys. I'm just using this as an example, okay? <laughs> they came up to me and they said, we, we've been going to the Chantilly campus, but I think we're going to start attending out here. We really like it here. They said, we don't really want a mega church, but we don't really want a house church either. We just want something in the middle. And there's a part of me where I want to be nice and I want to, you know, meet people where they're at. And I just thought, you know, hey, well, then we'd be a great church for you. There's another part of me that thinks, is this all about you? Is this all about what you want and what you need? And you're just looking for a consumer experience that best fits your wishes and desires? I'm not talking about, uh, you know, being a church, being part of a church that's not teaching the truth or that's not living out the mission. Obviously, those things matter. I'm just talking about, we're talking about preferences. I really like this style better. I really like that pastor's humor better or whatever. Really? Is that what we're doing? We're just showing up because that's the reality. We show up to our halftime. We listen to the coach talk. We leave. We don't do anything and contribute. Not everybody, right? But some of us. And we think, I'm a part of the team. I'm a part of New Life. Hey, I go to New Life. You go watch the game at New Life? That, that's, a, that's very different than playing on the team New Life. And so some of you guys have been serving for 5, 15, 30 years. And let's just go ahead and celebrate those people that praise God. Thank you for contributing. Thank you for your time and your effort and your energy because it is a commitment. That, that's what every team requires. It all requires commitment. Uh, some of you, um, you're brand new. This literally might be your first Sunday. I, I'm not trying to challenge you right now because it's literally your first Sunday. So it's okay if you're not already contributing and on the team. But what I would say is that the faster you can start, the faster you're going to build relationships with other people as you do ministry together, the faster you can start, you're going to find that you're plugging in and connecting with people that you found your place. And so I think that some people show up to a church and they think, well, I'll come on Sunday. I'll come on Sunday. I'll come on Sunday. And like, why am I not connecting with people? Because you've got to get on the team. You've got to start contributing. And as you do that, you build relationships. So some of you, you've been crushing it. Thank you. Praise God. Some of you, you're brand new. It's okay. Start today or whatever. Great. But some of you, you've been coming to New Life for a long time and you consume the worship songs. Praise God, Brandon and the band do a great job, but it's all just about, oh, what songs? And I, oh, I love that style. Or I love, and then Brett speaks and you're like, oh man, I just really want all the truth and the teaching from Brett. Oh, I just, I just love it. Oh, it's so good. Or I, I, I love the idea of meeting in a non-traditional church building. And so I love the space. Get on the team. Commit. Start to play the game. It's way more fun. It is way more fun to play the game together. I was at practice uh, at weight training this past Wednesday night with our football team. I don't have to be there. I can be hanging out with my wife. We do, we do things five nights a week, every week. I don't have to do that. It's off season. But I showed up and I got to have conversations with my, my guys. I got to do a Bible study with my guys. 
I got to encourage them. We're yelling, shouting. They're doing power cleans, lifting weight. They're having fun. And at the end of practice, Coach Bruden said, all right, hey, this, this punishment or this, uh, this uh, endurance thing we're going to do at the end, it's going to be really challenging. Y'all are probably going to want to quit. And we walked into the gym, and there was a basketball on either free throw line. He said, we're playing knockout. And the guys are going crazy, and we're having a blast. And one of the coaches says, uh, you stink to one of the guys. And he says, check ball. He grabs the ball, and he goes on the coach and beats and everybody. Ah! It's more fun to play the game. It's fun to be on a team. Yes, it takes a commitment. Get off the sideline and join the team. That's what the seven did. When they saw the need of the widows, they stepped up. Now, you might be wondering up to this point, okay, so what happened? Should we actually do this? Should we prioritize our part as church leaders and empower others to do their part? Should we be contributors as church members? Should we do that? Well, let's just watch and see what happens. Verse 7. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. See, when that team had leaders who prioritized their part and empower others to do their part, when that team had thousands of people who said, I'm going to contribute, I'm going to commit, I'm going to be a part of this, the word of God spread, the number of disciples increased, and people who were hostile to the faith became obedient to the faith. So I just want you to think about that, to think about if we as New Life we're to get even better in these areas because we're doing some of this well. But if we were to continue to grow in these areas, just imagine how much further the Word of God could spread. Just imagine across Northern Virginia, across the United States, across all the unreached people groups of the world, how much further could the Word of God spread if we play as a team? How many more disciples of Jesus Christ could there be in Fairfax County if this church would just say, we're going to be a team and we're going to commit and we're going to play to win and we're going to accomplish Jesus's dream, there could be thousands of more people, not just through our church, but even in collaboration with other churches, thousands of more people who come into the kingdom of God. Imagine how many more people, if we would engage as a team like this together, how many people that are currently hostile to the faith, maybe they're a part of Maybe they're a Muslim. Maybe they're part of the LGBTQ plus community. Maybe they're just atheists. And right now they're like the least likely. That's what those Jewish priests would have been. They, they actively taught that Jesus was not the Messiah. And yet they came to faith and were obedient to the faith. So how many people that right now we just think there is no way any of those people will ever be obedient to the faith could become a part of the faith if we would play as a team. So here's Here's just a, another basic insight that I think is important that we catch is that when we look at what they did and the results that happened, we see this truth that teamwork makes the dream work. It really does. If we've got this dream from Jesus, if we have any chance of completing it, it's going to take all of us working together. I think of the proverb. I don't know if it's an African proverb or not, whatever, but you know the proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. If you want to live out your Christian faith alone, that, that's pretty unbiblical. It's hard to live out the one another's. It's hard to function in your gifting. It's hard to be devoted to the fellowship if you're just doing it on your own. Or another way of saying it is maybe if you're just doing it on Sunday mornings. 
coming in, coming out. But man, to be a part of the team and to build deeply meaningful relationships, accomplishing the dream that Jesus gave us, there's power in that. There's great power. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. Everybody today, some of you have already done it. Some of you, it will be your first time. Join the team. Join the team. That's it. I want to invite you to come out of the stands and come down onto the field and to suit up and to play the game. And so there's a lot of different opportunities. And uh, there's on the website, you go to newlife.church/serve. You can text 703-454-5990. We can put it up on the screen. And you can go to the website. You can text. Uh, you can see Jody Corbett. Is Jody still in here right now? Anybody know? He might be, oh, is he in the back? Jody's in the back. Jody's going to be at the prayer, and take, he'll be at the Take 5 banner in the back at the end of the service. Just on your way out, just walk right up to Jody. He's going to be helping with building ministry teams. Uh, today is actually his first Sunday, I believe, to come on full-time. So we show Jody some love. Thank you, Jody, for doing that and helping in that capacity. So that's really exciting. It's an exciting time to do this. Uh, I'm talking uh, with some of the ministry leaders and just saying, hey, what teams really could use some love. And I was talking to Cindy, and she said that with KidZone, KidZone, like always, like we know if you've been a part of church, KidZone needs more people who have a passion to pass your faith on to the next generation. She said at uh, the, y'all service times are different, 9.30 and 11, am I right? At the 9.30 and 11 services that there's been a couple of times recently and even today where they're going to have to shut down the nursery toddler area because they don't have enough people serving. They don't have enough people uh, who could show up and make that commitment. And um, I know that we love our kids. I know that we love the next generation. I know we know the value of that. Maybe we just don't know the need all the time. And so I just want to put that before you and say, hey, could you maybe come to this service? And I know a lot of you already do this, but could you stick around and help in zone, or with greeting or with hospitality? Or if you want to try out for worship or whatever it is. Could you come to a service and then could you stick around and serve for another service? If you could do it, it would make it, it would make a huge difference. It makes a difference when people who don't know God and yet live in this culture where they know, oh yeah, church, that's where I go to find God stuff. Or Google, I Google God stuff. Well, they're, they're going to show up. They show up every Sunday. And so the difference, a smiling face in the parking lot, a difference with a warm cup of coffee, a hello, uh, a touch on the shoulder, whatever it is, just showing warmth, just showing, hey, we care, uh, to come in and have a, an atmosphere where, where maybe their life is really hectic, their home life is crazy, and just to come in and have a, a place where they can relax and lift their hands and, and just sing and enjoy the presence of God where they get to hear a message from the Word of God, where there's people who will love them and talk to them. That makes a difference, and that leads people to faith in Jesus. Every single ministry matters. Every single one. So, again, I want to invite you to do that. So, like I always do when I'm here, I hope you like this. If you don't, I won't be here next week. But I'm going to ask you to, right now, would you pull out your phone? Would you pull out a journal? Would you pull out something to write with? And answer these three questions. What do you hear God saying to you? It, it could have been nothing that I said. Maybe you just read the passage and the Holy Spirit started to apply it to your heart and your life. What is God saying to you? What do you hear God saying? The second thing is, how are you going to obey him? What practical step are you going to take to be a part of the team, to contribute, to um, 
prioritize your part, empower others to do their part, whatever it is. What are you going to do this week? Small, concrete step. And then finally, who can you share this with? Maybe there's somebody that you know you're in a life group with, or maybe, maybe you're just going to meet somebody in the lobby today, and you could say, hey, I'm serving on this team. Would you want to join me? Would you want to try it with me and just test it out and see if it is a good fit for you? And if not, just try another team. So who could you invite to join the team as well? Take about 60 seconds or so and write that down. Also, as you're writing, just want to say that doing the work of ministry and being the body of Christ, it happens, it does happen in our Sunday gathering, it happens in our life groups, it happens, you know, internally, but it also happens in the community. And so maybe passion for community is something that you would be interested in. Um, I know that this campus has done a lot with the meadows in the past. Maybe that could be an opportunity for you to contribute there. Um, maybe it's just even beyond our programming. Maybe at the moment we don't offer something and you've got a passion, you've got a gift and a calling in your heart. And maybe you want to talk to Jody today and say, hey, this, this is really on my heart. I've been thinking about this. I would want to lead it. I would want to step up. I would want to find a team of people who can do it. Maybe that's you today. But if, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I want to just end by giving you some good news. Um, you might be far from God today. You might have a lot of brokenness in your life and your family, you might have dug yourself in a hole that it just doesn't seem like you're going to get out of. But I want you to leave here knowing the good news that Jesus died alone so you could join his team. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left heaven, came to earth, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, never sinned. He loved God. He loved people. He served. He built a team and he went to the cross, and he died. He shed his blood so that your sins could be forgiven, totally forgiven, and that you could be filled with his spirit, that you could have a new heart and live a new life and not be a slave anymore. You could have freedom and joy in him. And Jesus was raised from the dead three days later. God the Father raised him from the dead. He appeared to hundreds of witnesses in multiple occasions in public, and then Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father where he was enthroned as king, where he is ruling and reigning right now. And one day, Jesus is going to return to make all things new, to judge the living and the dead, and to, for once and, all, once and for all, fully establish his kingdom reign in the earth. 
And so if, if you are far from God today, maybe this is your first time back in church in a while, or um, maybe you're just in a really desperate situation, turn to God. Trust Jesus Christ. Just say, God, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm broken. I'm messed up. And yet, God, I believe you love me and that you sent Jesus, your son, to die for me. God, I need Jesus. Save me. Change me. If that's you today, we'd love to talk to you at the prayer banner. Uh, there'll be some people back there. You can go back there and just say, hey, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I need help. I want to start that journey. We'll, we'll, we'll talk with you. We'll baptize you and help you take that first step of saying, man, I am all in with Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I commit to follow him the rest of my life. So if that's you, don't leave here feeling like, man, I wish I was a part of something. Because you can be a part of Jesus' team. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for everyone here this morning, both in person and online, God. Thank you that there's so many people that are part of this church family who have served and who are committed and who put time and effort and energy into doing the work of ministry. God, I pray that our leaders and our staff, that we would prioritize our part, God, Help us, teach us, show us, Lord, what do we need to focus on? What are those essential few things you've gifted us and called us to do? What's our unique contribution? And Lord, help us not to have a tight fist on ministry, but help us to let it flow. Help, help us to empower, to equip others and release them and bless them to do the work of ministry. And Lord, by your power, God, would you let your word spread further and faster than ever before. God, would you increase the number of disciples in Northern Virginia more than you have ever done before? And God, would you lead people who are hostile to the faith to become obedient to the faith? People that we would never even think possible. God, we love you. We're so thankful to be a part of your team. Since in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.